Hi folks, Matt Harmsworth here. Welcome to the Ask the R podcast. Before we jump into today's podcast, I'd just like to say a big thank you to all our listeners. I've, <laughs> I've had a few messages about... Um, James's little appearances and uh, it's it's always nice to always nice to hear that but one of the way this uh, the well the only way really that this podcast can grow add real value to people that are struggling at the moment with their planning applications is for you guys to get the message out there um, so please do leave us a review like subscribe share all that kind of good stuff that I'm sure you're sick of hearing of from time to time now so episode 50 i can't believe we've done 50 of these now hopefully this one's slightly better than episode one but ah, there you go so first off a little story um we operate out of little ford courier vans so the surveyors across the country have got those um i picked up a new one yesterday got it sign written all that kind of good stuff which is always super exciting and um i was transferring the kit over and it got me thinking, we've got all these pelly cases full of um, equipment, back cameras and survey kit and all this kind of stuff. But probably over 70% of these pelly cases are full of drone kit. And that got me thinking, that's not something that I talk about very often on the podcast. You know what, it's time for a, it's time for a sip of coffee. Mmm... Love a coffee in the office. Always seems slightly naughty. Um, yeah, and it got me thinking. We don't really talk about the drone side of things very much on the on the podcast because, um, and the reason for that really essentially is that a drone is just a tool. Uh, it's just a tool for collecting data, the same way a laptop is. It might be slightly sexier, might be slightly cool. There might be a lot of legislation that sits around it. But um, but essentially, it's just a data collection device, and it's what you do with that data that determines the usefulness of um, of the uh, of the equipment. So some say that they are essentially toys, and let's be honest, some of them some of them do look like um, toys. So I just thought I'd take a bit of time out just to talk you through what drones are, the kind of legal um, side of things what types of uh, drones there are out there and uh, essentially what we what we use them for here within Rover maybe answer some some common questions so essentially let's start off with types of drones so there used to be two types of drones multi rotors um, and fixed wing fairly self explanatory multi rotor drone um, takes off vertically and lands vertically, usually has four propellers on it, and it's called a quadcopter. They can have up to eight. Uh, that's less common now with modern electronics and re- clever redundancy systems. You tend to find that most are quadcopters. We've then got fixed-wing drones, which looks like a traditional aircraft with a fixed wing. Needs a runway or a catapult or some sort of launch mechanism. Some of them are light enough to be hand-launched. We've got one here in the office doesn't go out very often anymore uh, because technology's moved on. And we're starting to see hybrids as well. So they're fixed-wing drones that still have four motors. Well, they have five motors on because one's in the front. Um, But they have four motors on for uh, taking off and landing vertically. And then they convert to um, standard flight once they're in the air, which gives you um, longer endurance. Endurance used to be a real issue so that's how long the drone can fly for in simplistic terms 
multi-rotors generally have a, um, a battery pack on there that will give them up to half an hour flight. Back in the day when I started, you were lucky to get five or six minutes. Um, so, yeah, things things have moved on quite a bit. Fixed-wing systems can fly up to a couple of hours now. Hybrid systems tend to be a, about an hour. And essentially, you can cover more ground. Most people that are using drones in the UK as a tool within their business are using multi-rotor drones. Reason being, you can take off and land vertically. They tend to have quite a small form factor. There's a lot of off-the-shelf solutions now um, from the major manufacturers um, like uh, Sony and DJI and um, Parrot. Uh, there's a couple of others as well, but the biggest by far is probably DJI, who started off making flight control systems and components um, back in the mid to late 2000s. You had to build the drone yourself using parts, and DJI, based in China, started making um, flight control systems. Now, they totally rule the roost now. I would reckon they've got well north of 90% of the world's um commercial drones and enterprise drones so that's the kind of types of drones power um i hinted just now the vast majority of them are electrically powered they have removable batteries the very very small drones might have a battery that's just charged off your laptop off a, off a usb-c lead up to batteries that have dedicated charging systems um, they're lithium polymer batteries and generally speaking they'll last probably five to six hundred cycles these days before they won't um, won't really hold a uh, charge anymore there are internal combustion drones and uh, those you tend to see in the larger fixed wing systems another swig of coffee and then finally we're starting to see hydrogen come online now the challenge with hydrogen is uh, is getting hold of it but it's probably where the future lies um in terms of long endurance, small size, uh, small size drones, endurance comes into um, comes into uh, comes into play when we're talking about um, potentially mapping large areas. The longer the drone can fly for, the more uh, ground it can cover in that particular flight, which is uh, which is awesome. Legals. This comes up all the time. It's misunderstood. It's a huge subject. If anybody wants some help with this, reach out to me. More than happy to have a chat with somebody. Essentially, I think it was around 2020. I think, yeah, it was 2020. Essentially, the Civil Aviation Authority in the UK is responsible for... Um, airspace management and aviation management in the UK moved us from the traditional system, which I won't go into, to a risk-based approach. And there are various different categories which you can operate drones in. And essentially, it's based on weight. And the reason it's based on weight is because essentially, very, very basically, the heavier the drone, the more risk it poses to people, the smaller the drone, the less of a risk it uh, it poses to people, so we're on a on a on a, a weight based risk based system system now. Essentially, any drone under 250 grams is virtually deregulated, and I probably get shot down in flames for this. But you can almost fly them anywhere. I would caveat there are obviously aviation um, restrictions, etc., etc. But essentially, 
drones 250 grams and less are pretty much classed as toys um the caa probably thought they were being quite clever doing that uh they were keen to not criminalize little johnny flying a toy in his back garden like we probably all used to do in the 80s however what dji did almost straight away was brought out something called the mavic mini which is on its third iteration now which weighs yes you guessed it 249 grams and gives an incredible uh flying experience and and really good quality data coming off that there are limitations around um wind and endurance and things like that but essentially they they pipped the caa to the post there from 250 grams up to i think it's about two two and a half kilos don't uh, hold me on that i'm not enough as up on this as i used to be um you start to get into what's known as the a2 c of c uh, or certificate of um competence uh, category um and basically the a2 c of c is a it's a training it's a training competency process that allows you to operate a drone in the a2 and a1 transitional subcategories of the open category basically it means that you can um, operate larger drones closer to uninvolved uh, people and it's a bit like the old p4 permit for aerial work the next step up from that is what we have at Rover and it's called an operational authorization. So that's an annual, um, essentially a um, certificate to operate from the Civil Aviation Authority and your pilots have to be qualified up to what's known as GVC or General VLOS um, certificate level. That allows you to operate up to 25 kilogram drones in uk airspace so that's what we've got here at rover basically we fly everything from the little baby 249 grams right up to whopping great big 25 kilogram drones which carry multiple payloads and are suitable for um survey and uh, and inspection work so there's um there's a lot that sits within there we use i'll give them a shout out we use a company called um global drone training run by a chap called elliot cork and his um cohorts i'll call them and uh, very very experienced um flight instructor elliot comes from a teaching background as well so he really brings this stuff to life he will if he ever listens to this he'll be totally criticizing my presentation of the new system but but there we go um so yeah and the final part of the legals i guess is just to let you know that even if you've got a baby drone at 249 grams you still need to register with the civil aviation authority and obtain a flyer id there's a small charge for that i think it's like 10 quid um and that's done annually online so that's the legals of it so you might be thinking well, this is all very good matt but i normally listen to this because i'm interested in tree surveys and ecology surveys for planning applications and i find your little nuggets useful from time to time hopefully that's what you what you say so you might be thinking what on earth do we use drones for well what we use drones for in ecology and arboriculture um, essentially they are just tools we use them for everything from taking pretty pictures to put into reports to using them to verify um, tree positions using accurate systems with on the drones um, and more and more we're starting to use them uh, within ecology for protected species surveys so we've done everything from and we're probably again i'm going to get shot down for this i'm going to say 
that we were the first to use drones within the boriculture in the UK back in 2014. We were too early to market, actually, uh, which is how we pivoted and started doing film and, and, and TV work before coming full circle back. Um, but within a boriculture, you can use them for inspecting the upper crowns of trees. You can use them for um, ground truthing. Within ecology, we use them for everything for preliminary bat roost assessments so we can stand off and we can inspect uh, features that potentially from the ground you might class the building as having low potential to support um, roosting bats rather than negligible. That has massive knock-on consequences for the client. So by using, uh, using drones, excuse me, Getting up there, having a really good look at the roof, uh, any cavities, any crevices, etc. We can um, have a lot more clarity to feed into the reporting process. And we can also use um, thermal drones within that as well. So huge uses in ecology. And actually, one of the most interesting projects we've been involved with so far was right up in Orkney at the Marine Test Centre site. We were up there and uh, we were flying transex, monitoring um, seabirds in flight and uh, looking for large sea mammals like whales, etc. So that was a that was a fantastic project. The guys were up there for a couple of weeks, I think about a year ago, something like that. So essentially a drone is just a tool. It's just another tool in the toolbox. One question I do get asked as we come towards wrapping this one up is what is the best drone? It depend it depends what you want to achieve. Back in the day, um, it was quite usual for people to rush out, buy a drone, and then realise that they needed the training, the education, build all the systems around it. And crucially, what would happen then is that they would find that they bought the wrong tool for the job. So think very, very clearly about what you want to use drones for. If it's just taking pretty pictures, pretty much anything will do. Smaller the drone, the more susceptible it is to wind and weather, etc. as well. So that's one to bear in mind. Um, the usual common questions, things that we get asked, how high can you fly? How far can it fly? How much do they cost? The world is your oyster. Um, a good consumer level drone is now about 450 500 pounds that is your bog standard starting point they go right up to hundreds of thousands of pounds as you can imagine and everything uh, everything in between so not cheap things to run and it's not just buying the drone it's all the ancillaries that that go around that all the systems that sit around that to support it from a legal point of view um, and even simple things like bat you know battery charging and stuff like that um, out in the field that that people may not necessarily um, consider in terms of how high, legally, 400 foot, um, that's limited uh, by visual line of sight. So if it's a tiny weenie drone, you can't really go up to 400 foot because you can't see it clearly. Um, so, you know, bigger, bigger the drone, the easier it is to see. In terms of distance, that's capped at 500 metres away from the remote pilot. But again, it's visual line of sight. So if it's a tiny little drone and you're flying it around using the camera, looking at the screen, then, um, you know, that's you're not operating within the spirit of the of, of the law. And essentially that flight is illegal because if you lose that video feed, there's no way you're going to be able to bring that drone back. So it's capped at 500 metres and 400 foot. Um in aviation, we always give uh, altitude in uh, in feet and distance in meters. So, bit of a bit of a strange one there. Um, and pretty much anyone can fly them now, right? Well, up up to a point, they're a lot more simplistic than they used to be. But there are all sorts of things that people get caught out with 
So the most common ones being um, the GPS, uh, the drone has a GPS system on it, which means that if the command control link gets broken, the drone will fly back to the point where it took off from and land. Only if you set it up right, though. And there are lots and lots of videos online of people's drone returning to home at a height too low and flying into terrain or descending into water when the battery gets low, etc. Um, so, you know, if you are going to use one commercially, there's an awful lot to think about to make sure you've got the systems and processes in place. So today I would have you consider the possibility that drones are a tool, not a toy, and if you want to incorporate them within your own business, reach out. Always happy to give free advice and link people up. Um, you can also go onto Amazon. I've got a book on there called Unmanned, A Drone Story. You'll find it if you stick my name in there, Matt Harmsworth. Um, you'll also find the planning application hack in there as well. That book, um, it's a good read. It's about my journey. There is some salesy pitch stuff in there. Uh, there are some useful resources in there. I'm not going to not gonna lie. Some of the legislation is slightly out of date now however um it's a good read and uh if you're interested in drones it's probably a good place to start that's it from me take care and i will speak to you on the next one